young athletes need the tools for success on the field and on the court. And now more than ever, in the arena of business. In the new era of name, image, and likeness, Athletic Architects is here for young athletes and parents to help prepare for your financial futures. Let Athletic Architects start helping you build your house. Visit buildthehouse.com and let's build together. What's up, War Report family? Your man, Ike Jones, here. This is Mike Mack and Memes, the remix? Ike Mack and Memes. We'll just call it Ike Mack and Memes today. I got Brandy Mack in here, my guy, Auburn Memes. And we are going to talk a little bit about what we've seen so far this season from all of the special places in which Auburn can touch you. That sounded really creepy, but it's going to make sense in just a minute. But before we get into that, let's get a quick word from the sponsors of the Auburn Express. You're listening to the Auburn Express. Powered by the Wall Report. All aboard the AM departure from platform 334, the Auburn Express. We're running on time and expecting no hiccups. Doing the work, hard work, to bring you the best Auburn sports content you'll find anywhere. All right, guys, let's dive directly into this conversation. If I have not turned everybody off about uh, Auburn touching people in special places, then they are still here to hear a wonderful conversation. Uh, Let's dive straight into it. We're going to talk about the players this season that have lived up to expectations and maybe some of them who... We were expecting a little bit more from them. Before we get into that, is everybody doing okay? Is everybody feeling good? You guys feeling great? Yeah, Other we're feeling good. Other than the team disappointing you severely every Saturday and making you cry and maybe even imbibe alcohol. Outside of that, you feeling good? <laughs> yeah. Hey, we are all good over here. Awesome. Um, we're 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 doing we're doing uh we're doing okay. We're making it. It's, it there's been a lot of time to kind of prepare. I would say somewhere standing on the field, looking at the scoreboard, like third, fourth quarter of San Jose State, I started doing a lot of those like mental anguish exercises. And Mm. uh, I'm in a better place October, mid-October because of that. Okay. All right. Well, you know, listen, once you get used to it, I guess the pain becomes part of you. And uh, you just kind of get used to like, oh, well, this is is what this is going to be like right now, huh? I'm not used to it yet. I'm going to be honest. I still have a little bit of anguish every Saturday. But let's talk about the people who either make you feel better about yourself and say there's hope for the future with this guy or this guy's uh, uh, definitely an NFL prospect. And then a couple of people who were like, "Eh, I don't know. I was expecting that one to be a little bit better. We're going to start with everybody's favorite part of any team. Doesn't matter what level special teams. We're going to start with the special teams unit and we're going to talk about which of these specialists have lived up to expectations? I think that the obvious, I mean, there's an obvious one out here. Who wants to take the obvious name of someone who has lived up to the expectations in the specialist unit? Randy, I know you got the name. Yeah, so, I mean, for me, it's it's definitely going to be Anders. Um, I was Whoa. Saying, you know, that's that's left not, field. That's not where I thought we were going with this. Oh, go man, for we're it. on the same yes. wavelength. She's, all right, go. Go, oh, go, Brandy. Okay, I mean, I mean, I just think I was expecting a near perfect season from him, and there were some key moments where 
Oh, you're saying he didn't live up to expectations. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Sorry. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Great. Sorry. Yeah, no, it's fine. I was, I was, I was worried. I was like, "Whoa, wait a minute! What were you expecting from oh, sorry, him?" Okay, I misheard you. I misheard yeah. mis- you. Yeah, no, yeah. I was good. saying Anders didn't, didn't did live not. Up to okay, no, we are back Correct. on the same sorry. page. We're tracking. Let's keep going with this. Anders Carlson did not live up to expectations. Brandy, go. Yeah, I mean, I really expected him to have an almost near perfect season. Um, you know, whether he didn't live up to expectations because of coming back from injury, maybe something going on with his mental, I'm not really sure. But, you know, missed field goals when you're in the position that he's in, I feel like are almost a little unacceptable and especially more than one. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I I definitely have been, on, from a special teams perspective, a little disappointed um, in Anders, and I feel like he hasn't lived up to the expectations. Um, I thought he would be back to his pre-injury self. Um, but yeah, that's who I would say on special teams hasn't lived up to expectations. So, so I mean, Anders Carlson came in preseason. Uh, was it second team All SEC um, kicker? Yeah. Um, if he's if he's the second best kicker in the SEC right now, which I can't you know imagine uh, that there are very many. I don't know. I mean, the kid at Missouri. He's, he's kicked better since the one he missed in our game. But, like, I can't imagine that Anders Carlson is the second-best kicker in our conference right now. I just – I can't imagine a world where that exists. Um, so, I don't think the expectations have been met from the standpoint of Anders Carlson. Do you agree with that, Memes? Yeah, and let's let's be real. And I know this is such, like, a cop-out point, but he said Missouri. Let's keep running the Missouri game. He got bailed out on some of those misses 100%. with some penalties. So, like, yeah. I know that doesn't technically show up on the stat sheet, but if we're yeah. talking pure eye test, that's got to be something you're looking at for, like, how much worse would things look had that not been there? So, yeah, I, I know that's kind of cheating. I have a hard time. No, that's not cheating. I think that's do that. That's I think that's fair uh, because – he had his opportunities, and he did get bailed out a couple of times in that game. Um, he, he's ranked right now fourth in the SEC with eight field goals made. Uh, his percentage is at 80%, but once again, if those misses were on the books here, that would be a lot lower. Uh, Georgia's kicker is number one with uh, Missouri, Tennessee um, being two and three, and then Kentucky, Alabama, and Anders are tied for fourth, and then it just kind of keeps going. Yeah, I, I wouldn't expect them to be at the bottom of the conference, right? Because we saw Bama's Bama, – if we can say one thing, thank God we don't have Bama's kicking situation, right? But um, Can never get it right. He had a good 2020 and just God, downhill from there. I, I really thought that they had figured it he out. He had a good kick against Texas. That's about But once it. again, in 2020, though, all the stands were empty. So that was going to be an easier <laughs> year for kickers because you didn't have all that crowd noise. Yeah. You, you know, you got you got whispers opposed to screams. So you got to think like, yeah, that's going to look a little bit better for kickers as well. Yeah, man. I don't know. I I don't know what to say about that kicking situation. Anyway, we're not here to talk about them. Screw them. Um, we're going to talk more about Auburn folks. So yes, Anders Carlson definitely has not lived up to the expectations. I do have one thing to add on that though. Yeah. I just dug this stat up here. Now, he does not have a field goal for as being like a six-year senior, however old he is now. Uh, he does not have a field goal over 50 yards made this season. Now, Georgia's mm. kicker also does not, who is the leading kicker. Now, Georgia's kicker also has the most 20 to 29-yard field goals made, which I guess we have an effective offense. It's pretty easy to be in a nice 
positions well, there. That's, that's actually a little disappointing for him to have so many short field goals. Like they get that close and then they're just not able to get it in the end zone. But that's, yeah, so his stats right now of the 10 he's made, zero have been within one to 19 yards, uh, four 20 to 29, two 30 to 39, two 40 to 49, and obviously zero 50 plus. I don't have the uh, stats for the distances that he missed. I can't remember those off the top of my head either. But once again, hate to say it another time, but kind of padded by some of those little uh, bailouts from the penalties. Or yeah. I think, didn't he get iced one time too that he missed? Uh, I don't recall. I mean, so they, they tried happened? to ice him in the old Miss game and it didn't work. So I was okay. thankful for that. That was at the end of uh, the half. For or maybe Miss. there was like a was there a false start? They there was, I thought there was something that they had that no, it's not the Missouri game. There were there was um two offsides penalties that negated two misses that he That's, made. He okay. had um so yeah that was that was just not a fun game to sit and watch. So. It's a great time. Now we get to talk about the elephant in the room for our guy on special teams who is our uh, our our hero. Yeah, the guy who who has lived up to all of the hype this year. Um. Since uh, Brandy, I let Brandy go first the last time. Memes, who you got for this one? Well, naturally, my favorite position is going to be none other than our holder, Oscar Chapman, <laughs> who also happens to be the punter. Yeah, so let's talk about guy. Oscar Oscar Chapman. And I'm, yeah. of course, I'm never going to forget about our guy uh, Quattlebaum. I love a lo- I love a good long snapper. But yeah. let me tell you something about Oscar Chapman. All right, can I can I get my soapbox real quick? Go for it. Uh, he, I mean, he might, he might be the best guy on the team. There's a potential. I, I wouldn't, I would listen to that argument. Well, hold on. When you say the best guy on the team, are you talking about just in general? He's a nice guy, or you mean he's like the he has been the top performer on the team, or both? I mean, he might be a nice guy. I, I, I would introduce Oscar Chapman to my mom. Oh, okay. You I've know, never he, had a conversation with Oscar Cat Chapman, but you know, anybody who uh, who used to play rugby probably is a pretty solid person. <laughs> You can never, you never, never met a, I've never met a guy named Oscar. I didn't like, but, uh, but generally speaking, so let's talk about his punting here. Yeah. Our guy, do you, do you off the top of your head know, and Brandy, you too, how many yards he has punted this season? Like um, total yardage? Yeah. Yeah. No, she had almost 500 in just the Georgia game. So <laughs> a lot of punting that game. Yeah. Um, I'm going to guess, uh, just because I, I've been tracking this stat the last couple of weeks. Somewhere around, uh, let's see, he was four something that put him at six, seven, eight, nine, uh, 1,200 and something yards. Brandy, you have a guess or do you already know? I, I don't know, but I would probably guess a little bit higher than that and say close to 1,400. 1,387. Let's go, close. Brandy. <laughs> Very close. Now, the fun <laughs> fact if you convert that yardage, he has punted. Over three quarters of a mile. He is at 0.788 miles punted, hmm. which is pretty awesome. I've never done that uh, conversion before of punt yardage to miles. But um, our guy, Oscar, is moving that ball. That is 44.7 yards punting average. Hmm. And Auburn has had some question marks at punters, even some recent years toward the end of the Gus era. And we know last year, especially last year, you could catch – Catch me ranting about this on Twitter in the past. Auburn special teams was not great year one under Harson. I would say special teams has improved under Harson from year over year. Uh, that might be the only group we get to say that about this episode. So I at least want to give them 
their yeah, credit. I mean, I, I'd say it's improved. There, there's definitely still been some deficiencies, but at least, at least, and this is more because we haven't actually returned any kicks. We have not seen penalties from that unit consistently this season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and even toward the end of the Gus years, <clears throat> excuse me, the uh, special teams was not what it once was in uh, some of the. I want to really say the Chiswick years. Is that am I am I re, am I rewriting history in my own head? I want to say there was just like one like four to five year era where it was always just like everything on special teams. Like we could return punts, returning kicks. Uh, we were making kicks. I mean, it was just it was a great it was a great time. Um, I want to say that was like maybe when uh, was McCaleb. He was doing some stuff. I think he was yes, returning kicks. That's probably crossover Chiswick early Gus. Yeah, in was, those years when that mm-hmm. was happening. Yeah. And uh, I mean, I guess to be mentioning on the special team steal, um, I love I love Keontae Scott's moxie out there. One hundred percent. He's ready to go. Um, I, the LSU decision, as we'll call it, was uh, painful. Yeah. When he just decided, like, all right, I'm going to run. I'm running all east west on this one, and just totally muffed it. But uh, I, I we'll talk about Keontae Scott more in this episode. But I, I I love everything about his game. Young player, that was just a dumb decision, but. You can tell he's got that fire under him. When he sees that yeah. punt in the air, he wants to grab it and go. Uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, he, he, he is 100% a guy who just wants to make a play every time he steps on the, on the field, and I love that about him. Um, I, don't, I won't necessarily say I had high expectations for him, so he's a guy that, you know, pleasantly surprised at um, what could potentially be there for Keontae Scott as a returner just because of what you're talking about, his, his willingness to go out there and make a play every single time. 9.5 uh, punt return average right now. Mm. So out of, um, I guess, I think they're, this is, I'm on sports reference right now, they're giving him 11, 11 uh, return attempts, 105 yards, 9.5. No touchdowns, unfortunately. There's right. no kick return touchdowns and punt return. I think, I think every team should at least have at some point once a season, at least one punt and or kick return a season. That's just something you got to have as a staple season's not over, but I mean, that's, that's one of my, that's one of my favorite places to see is when a kick or a punt gets returned. Just, you want to see a stadium get lit. Yeah. I would love to see it happen. I mean, I just long a return over 15 yards will turn a stadium on its head. Uh, but yeah, a touchdown is a whole different level of excitement. So hopefully we get a chance to see that. And Keontae Scott seems like the kind of guy that can deliver it. Um, any other people we want to point out from the specialists that have disappointed or have lived up to expectations? There are not too many. I mean, listen, you talked about uh Quattlebaum, you know, let's, let's not underscore the fact that none of the long snaps have looked bad this year. Like there hasn't been a thing where we're like, Oh man, that snap looked awful. Like he hasn't had, we haven't had snap issues. That's not been a thing for our specialist unit. So that's not to be um, just kind of brushed aside as if it's nothing because that's not the case for everybody. Yeah, you screw up a you screw up a punt snap, that uh, that puts you in a pretty nasty situation. Uh, yeah. I will say just because the narrative was talked about there of, and I mean, as you remember, after the uh, after I guess it was the Missouri game when everyone was kind of wondering like. All right, are we looking at? Do we need to start looking at McPherson? And right. the, there were multiple people in press conferences that asked Harson, "Is there a potential change that could be looked at a kicker?" Right. And uh, I think Anders, at least in the Ole Miss game, did enough to maybe right. qualm some of that. But two I mean, for two in that game, one of them being a forty-plus yarder. So hey, mm-hmm. yeah, that's, that it. it's it's good to it's good to see that. 
his, uh, his seniority and experience and just being used to how intense we'll put it, uh, those moments can be, uh, that, that came through. And I mean, hopefully we feel good about the future with McPherson. I would love to see McPherson. You think then some of these smaller games, we'd had a chance to see him. So maybe he'll get a shot, uh, against Western Kentucky to get out there and see what his leg is like can do. Cause obviously he's known for, Oh man, this kid was, this kid was drilling the 60 yard bombs in practice in high school. Like, you love the urban legend of a guy kicking. Right. I don't think I don't think any player comes into a college locker room with more mystique for what they did in practice in high school than kickers. <laughs> so would love to uh, would Definitely. love to see how well. Yeah, you know, y'all know what I'm talking about. Like, yeah. oh man, you, you feel that ball Healy missing outer space, or that boy's kicking it. Like, <laughs> I, I just I want to see what he can do. Um, yeah. Just because that that's the future, and I think it's what we're about to talk about with this podcast is like. We know what we got with the seniors. What right. do we have for the future? Worth noting, Oscar Chapman is still a junior. So, um, bottle bomb senior. I don't know with COVID if we have seniors and super red shirt COVID medical seniors. I don't know how this stuff even works anymore. Right. But um, I guess, like in theory, most everybody still has some eligibility minus Nick Brahms now. Uh, anyway, but <laughs> so yeah, that's what we've got. At least we got. Um, at least we got our. At least we got our guy Oscar coming back. Yeah, so I mean, I think we're we're okay from a specialist standpoint going into the future. Um, so let's let's pivot here. Let's talk a little bit about uh, defense. Let's talk about defense. And oh, right. yeah, I know, I know. This so this one's going to be tough. I'm going to be honest. There are a couple of people, and if you guys watch the show on YouTube, then you know a couple of names that I'm going to point out here when we get into this thing. But I'm not going to start. I'm going to let other people talk and then I will agree with you vehemently if you name names that I would have named about people who both have played well, who have exceeded the expectation and people who not quite there where we thought they would be. Let's start on the high note. Let's talk about some things that you loved to see from our defense, people who have stood out and it's like, man, they lived up to the hype or they exceeded everything I thought, or I had no expectations, and this was amazing. So um, we'll flip it this time. I'm going to let memes go first, and then we'll go to Brandy uh, with people who lived up to it or exceeded the expectations. Who you got? Okay, so I'm high, Brandy. High note. This is good players. Just don't. Yes. Don't yeah. be. Uh, yeah. Feel my don't. person. So I'm thinking of somebody else now. Yeah. Don't be. Don't be. Don't be. Yeah. Don't be going. Don't be. Don't be. Uh. Don't be reading this wrong here. So. <laughs> My high note, and I'm just I'm looking over at the defense where I'm like really where I want to hit with my high note, but I think it's gonna be a three-headed dragon or three-headed serpent, three-headed monster, whatever, whatever your three-headed uh mystic beast of choice is. Gotcha. DJ James. Okay. Once again, our guy Keontae Scott. Okay. Donovan Kaufman. Okay. They have been playing defensive backfield. All right. Let's they go have been playing it. lights out. So let's just let's add a something of note for these guys. Those are all Harson guys and or transfer JUCOs. Okay. Something very interesting worth noting of that, and we'll maybe talk about why that is interesting when we talk about maybe some of the lower points of the defense for folks that can read between the lines. Y'all know which direction I'm going with this. We'll come back to that momentarily. Uh, I'm going to be honest. Um, for my high points, I, I mean, 
we have to just just say here I can't we can't mention anything about Eku so far. I hate that he got his season right. ending injury. A guy I was love this game, really looking forward to seeing him coming back. Uh just I can't really put him on either side of that right now just because of the unfortunate circumstances that happened with him. Not that he was a problem either way, but it just stinks that we really couldn't see no, him. He, he looked like he was going to have an amazing year. Yeah, I, was, I, was just about to say, I was actually going to use him for my high note for the what little we did see of him. Yeah. I mean, I think his ceiling is unlimited. Like, So, and, let, let, so I'm going to let you finish down your, your list. I'm, here, I got one more and I'm done. Okay, go ahead. Because yeah, I want to come back to the Echo Leota point, but go ahead. My last one, and this is gonna be a little like the controversial point. I'll explain it when we kind of get to the other side of the uh, other side of the matter here. Colby Wooden played, yeah, especially against okay, LSU, yeah. played out yeah. of his mind. It was everywhere. Yeah, but that's gonna be it on defense. I'm gonna let everybody kind of wonder, like, all right, there's some names that were missing there, and where we go with them. So I'm gonna. I'm going to uh, pass it yeah, off to I mean, Brandy. I think Colby Wooden started it slow, and but he's been coming on as of late these last couple of games, definitely making his presence felt. But but before we get to you, Brandy, because this is one of the people on your list, I want to talk about Ekuliota a little bit, right? Okay. Um, played amazing the games in which he was there. He was, I mean, if if unblockable is a real thing in this league, he was as close to it as I think you can get. Like, he just was, I mean, sideline to sideline, I literally was doing a watch the film session and watched Eku Leota on back-to-back plays, make tackles literally on one sideline, get up the next play, make the play on the opposite sideline. Like that's not like back-to-back plays. He, he chased the ball down both sides. And I was just like, yeah, this, this guy, he's a menace. He's, he's blowing up plays. He's getting pressures. He is making his presence felt every single time he's out there on the field. Um, unfortunate. So this is the question I want to ask about Ekuliota. Is there any chance that this injury derailed his decision to go to the NFL next year? Because he does have a one more year of eligibility that he can use. Does anybody think Ekuliota comes back for another season? I absolutely think that he does with this injury now. Hmm. Um, whether he does or doesn't, not sure. But I really do think that he's going to come back. Um, I think that... I just think he knows how high his ceiling is. And I think he wants to showcase that and go higher in the draft. And so, um, I mean, we saw guys come back um, like Marlon Davidson and Derek Brown that easily could have gone to the draft and they came back. So, you know, I think Eku is going to ha- experience something similar. I think, you know, he, he may try to, but at the end of the day, I think he's going to end up coming back for, for one more year. And I think everybody around us and probably um, any scouts that have been watching him, um, at least before his injury, realize his potential. So I'm not sure how that will necessarily pan out in um, in his future. But I, I think he comes back because he knows his ceiling, wants to showcase it, and he can be the best player on a, on a, on a defense. And mm-hmm. when you are the best player, when you are Derek Brown, when you are Montrevious Adams, when you are Jeff Holland – that's really when your name gets thrown out there and gets noticed for when the draft comes around. Yeah. So I, I want to 100% echo that point of if he does come back, he's going to be the marquee guy of this defense. He's going to be the guy that everybody talks about. And I agree with Brandy on that. Like there's a lot of value to being the guy. Now for this group here, I think he's one of the guys. I don't think he would have been the guy. I think if we're looking at the defense and says, who's, the guy, I guess you got to talk to Eric Hall there. I mean, that's the yeah. one. 
who everybody's looking at. It's like, oh, he is one of the guy, the marquee guy, this defense. I think Eku would be in the top three for, for guys sure. who we're talking about, especially the you know going into the season. He would be undoubtedly the guy next year. Now, as far as what he ends up doing, and here's a few factors on the plan here. I think we're gonna have to consider who's the coach, right? People transferring in, people transferring out, and then what does the uh, NFL look like for what position he's going to play? I'm guessing I'm going to possibly look at him. I know he plays a stud at Auburn, playing edge in the NFL, or because I know there's a bunch of uh, different ways to kind of use those hybrid positions in the league with different teams, et cetera, et cetera. So guys that he would be potentially, like what would his class look like in the NFL as far as like guys he's going to be going up against this year, potentially next year. I think all those things go into factor there. But like I said, I think the biggest would be who's the coach? What is the outlook of this team as far as who stays and who comes in the transfer portal? Because they get a whole bunch of other guys that would be potentially competing with that stardom. You got to think like, all right, or am I the, I don't know. There's a lot of factors that could play that. Or maybe he says, hey, I will be the leader of a marquee defense. We'll get more guys in here. Let's do this again. Or it's a good slim. I'm out. Who knows what he could do? I think there's a, I think there's a lot of factors. I think there's definitely a fair objective side for both ends. Is he NFL ready? Could he get drafted? I think we'd all unanimously say, yeah, I think he's in good shape there. Now, on the flip side of that coin, would there be benefit for him taking a medical red shirt and coming back another year? I think it would be really hard to disagree with the fact that he could up his stock a lot for a lot of reasons going both ways. I think all Auburn fans would love to have him come back. For sure. And uh, I think other I know teams, I yeah, but I, say, I don't think other teams that Auburn plays want him coming back. And as you mentioned, he was doing very well. And I think like a lot of other members of the defense, they were really kind of getting their steam going into the season. I think if he were still healthy, he would be really, really having some strong momentum and taking some names if you're still out there. So, yeah, I mean, the, I think that the thing that, um, and, and I say worry just because that's the Auburn fan in me talking that worries me about him not coming back is the injury that he had isn't one that you worry so much about projecting whether or not he can bounce back from, right? It wasn't a lower extremity thing because he's a speed rusher, right? So you worry if he has some sort of lower extremity injury, is he going to still have that burst, right? Like, no, he's got, you know, it's an arm. So yeah, maybe he does an arm tackle as well the first couple of months, but you rehab him properly. He'll still be out there having the explosiveness um, that he would have all um, before the injury. So, all right. So Echo Leota potentially coming back and, and we would welcome him with open arms. Echo, if you're listening to this, come on back, man. One more year. Let's run it back and do this thing right next time. All right. So let's talk anybody else on your list, Brandy, of people who expectations met or exceeded thus far this season. Yeah, I think I agree with all of the guys that Meme said and then adding in Eku, but then also Derek Hall. Um, we can't talk about the defense and high spots without talking about Derek Hall. And he definitely met expectations. I think by the end of the season, he will end up exceeding those expectations, but he's he's doing his job and he's doing his job well. And there has really been nothing negative at all from him this season. And so I would I would just add Derek Hall to that. He deserves he deserves the hype um, that he was getting preseason uh, where we are right now, too, because I think without him out there on the field, it would look a lot uglier than what than what we've seen already this season. So, I yeah, we can't talk about high spots on the defense without saying Derek Hall. Don't say things like it could be worse. All right. Uh, but no, Derek <laughs> Hall uh, is one of those guys. I think that he's a max effort guy the entire time. And I love the energy that he brings. He is still a menace and teams 
actively have to game plan against him. The one thing that he's doing a lot more this season that I think hasn't been as pretty is him in, you know, in, in pass coverage. Now, hey, he had the first interception of the season, right? So him being dropping back in pass coverage allowed him to do that, and he looks like a, a freaking fullback once he got the ball in his hands. Um, but he he hasn't been, like, wonderful in pass coverage, and which is probably why he doesn't do it a lot. And so that's something I wonder if they were trying to showcase his ability and his athleticism to be able to move that on to the next level. Derek Hall's another guy who, I mean, from an eligibility standpoint, he could come back for another season if he isn't satisfied with the way this one went. Um, and, you know, the other guy that you mentioned along that defensive front memes, um, he's only a junior, right? Colby Witten, right? Correct. He has another year that he could come back. Now, I think it's highly unlikely either of those two guys come back this year. Um, but both of them theoretically could return and we could return three really, really good defensive linemen slash edge rushers uh, for another season. So a uh, good thing that those guys are performing well. Um, anything else that either of you want to add before we um, depress ourselves with people who have not necessarily gotten to that place? Well, no, let's just, let's go. Let's we can, jump. We let's can jump, jump in the rabbit into hole. All right. All right. Let's talk about it. <laughs> who are the guys? Because I don't have anybody who I want to add to either of your list. You guys named all the people that, um, I, let me just go back and highlight one person, though, that we talked about that uh, we didn't really give a lot of praise to. Well, two people, DJ James, number one. Uh, was a breath of fresh air at the outside corner. I mean, he was on my he was on my list. Yeah, no, he was on your list. I was just okay, okay. kind of giving a little bit more kudos to him. Um, but he was amazing. And the other guy that was on your list that we kind of we talked about, but I think has been to me the most stellar performer on that defense, and that's Donovan Kaufman. I think Donovan Kaufman has been everywhere this year, um, and he has done he's done a lot of little things that has have helped this defense to make timely stops. He's just been in position to do stuff. Um, and he's been pretty assignment sound for the most part. I mean, of course, nobody's perfect, but I like the, the, the way that Donovan Kaufman has played this year. So definitely kudos to him. All right. Praises out of the way. Let's get to the guys that we've got to see something better from and definitely have not been playing up to par thus far this season. And Brandy, I will give you the dubious distinction of throwing out the Ooh. first name here. Yeah, so I think first I'm going to start off with Owen Papo. Um, Listen, if he's not on everybody's list, I, I don't know what you've been looking at this year. But go I mean, ahead. a highly, highly touted recruit. Yeah, had a good, a decent season before he got hurt last year, and it looks like he's never played football this year. Like it really, it, it's bad. Um, it looks like he doesn't know the playbook anymore, and I don't know if something has changed from the old staff to the new staff now. Um, I mean, he just looks like he's totally confused out there on the field yeah. at all times. And yeah, he looks like he's gone, guessing. Yeah, he is. He has been made to look silly in almost every single game this season. Um, so unfortunately, I I personally had really high hopes and expectations for him. Um, especially being a team leader, uh, a lot of experience. Um, he to me is the biggest disappointment on defense. Um, another person I throw out there, um, Jalen Simpson. Mm. Um, and probably maybe Nehemiah Pritchett a little bit too. Um, I would say those two guys also have been kind of disappointing on defense. Um, really like those three experienced guys that we thought would be impact players. And then the guys that we talked about who are highs on defense are new guys, transfers or freshmen, like whatever they might be. So 
that's like kind of very, very shocking. Um, and kind of, I mean, it is disappointing because you want to see those guys who have experience out there basically meeting your expectations, hopefully exceeding them. Mm-hmm. Um, and these younger guys coming in and doing their job well, how they have been. Um, yeah, it's, it's interesting, but those, those would definitely be my, my three. Yeah. I can't disagree with any of those folks. Um, I, I, I the, the one to me that's the most surprising, I guess I would say, honestly, it was Jalen Simpson. I, I, I thought just about to go there. I thought Jalen Simpson was going to have one of those years where like he turns into Carlton Davis or something like just this <laughs> yeah. lockdown. I mean, they, they talked about how much faster he had gotten in the off season. He was already a pretty sound tackler. He just he hasn't popped off of the the screen at all when you you watch him on the field. Like he's just not an impact player for this defense right now. He's not locking people down, uh, and he's definitely getting lost in coverage occasionally. He's missing tackles, which is not something that you would typically see from a Jalen Simpson. Um, and so I, I think to me, based upon what I expected from him this season, he's been the most disappointing. I think as far as who has played the worst. It's been Owen Papo, but the most disappointing versus what my expectation was, it's Jalen Simpson. Um, Memes, who, who do you have on your list? I mean, I agree with you there. I almost verbatim because I didn't have super high stand, st- standards. Excuse me. I didn't have super <laughs> high hopes for Owen Papo right. just because we hadn't seen it and there weren't flashes and there was already a lot of chat around him of like maybe he had five-star athleticism but maybe that didn't translate to his position on the field. Right. So I was already trying to prepare myself. Now, I think he's done worse than what I was expecting, but I wouldn't say I was expecting a whole lot. I was expecting average, hopefully. Yeah. I wasn't expecting some of the great middle linebackers of the past to manifest in him how they had prior. Right. So that was the deal there, and I agree. I was really on the Jalen Simpson train. I thought, like, oh, here's a guy who people aren't talking about enough. People are sleeping on him. He's going to come out here and he's going to really do some things. And <clears throat> I mean, he's gotten, he's gotten, uh, it's kind of gotten processed out by James right now. And it's just like, yeah. that is. And of the two starting corners, I think if you had given people their pick, who was going to be the guy DJ James would supplant, everybody would have said Nehemiah Bridget. Yeah. And, and he, um, and Jalen Simpson, if I remember right, like I want to say he had like a pretty good like Iron Bowl last year. He made a lot of timely hits. I mean, he 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 showed flashes last year that really made me think like, all right, he he can do it. Yeah. So yeah, that was uh that was tough. Um, I mean, Pritchett has definitely been struggling as well for just as you kind of mentioned, there's been a lot of chatter about some of these guys and they could be doing, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, the numbers from last year to this year, not as great for them. Uh, so I mean, let's let's talk about Nehemiah Pritchett for a second, though. I okay. think a lot of people thought Nehemiah Pritchett was the liability on this defensive backfield, and he's not been locked down by any means. I think, though, he's exceeded most people's expectations. I think he's been less of a disappointment than people thought he was going to be. If that sounds whatever, like I think he's been okay, and a lot of people were just like, he's terrible, right? So being oh, yeah, okay versus yeah. terrible. I mean, I guess he's exceeded expectations. I still wouldn't put him on my bright spot list, but he would be somebody who's played 
above what the expectation was going to be for him this season, in my opinion. There were some there were some teams that picked was it Penn State? What what team that just went after him? Yeah, Penn State was going Penn after State. him consistently. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they sure. they I mean that that was definitely like some of those games to me, I think one of your biggest insults can be if you're playing defensive back when the opposing team is like, all right, send it to his side of the field. He can't cover you. Yeah. Now it's one thing if it's a major mismatch of like you're going against you're going against an all time a wide receiver. If you're just going against some average guy and you're still getting burned, that's rough. So yeah, uh, won't we won't go into Papo too much longer. We've already we've already kind of hit that. We've already hit that strong. Um, I'd say everybody else like has been fine. They they've done enough what they need to do. There hasn't been anybody that I've really thought has stepped up, and this would go really across the board to just make a massive game-changing play, but it'd be that that pick six, the interception, the massive tackle for a loss that doesn't just automatically go right back for another big reception. There haven't been enough game-momentum-shifting defensive plays. Right. And that's why I guess I have kind of a hard time. I'm like That's what I really thought this defense could do. Yeah. I thought this was going to be their marquee thing, especially with how loaded – they should be at defensive line. Now, we can argue all days it's Jimmy and Joe's. There's a scheme, is a little bit of both. I'm not going to dive too, too deep into the uh, coaching side of it right now. That's just not my thing. There's a film room review that you guys do that uh, has plenty of that. So I want to bring up Derek Hall, though. And that is because I didn't have him on my like exceeded expectation side. And that right. this may be on my fault. I just had I had insanely high hopes for him this season. No, I think that's fair. I, I could understand why someone would say Derek Hall has underwhelmed me based upon what I thought he was going to produce this season because he hasn't. I mean, what he he's got what two sacks this year or something like that? What what are he's his got, sacks? He's got he's got four sacks. Four. four. Okay, but you got to think like a handful of those are on the on the cupcake side. So we're not seeing any major game. To me, when I'm seeing, a, is it? Are we talking to? I'm talking like an eye eye test sack, like. What was that just major sack that put him back 15 yards and then you did it again the next play? Did that sack result in a game-shifting moment? Like Those right. are the kind of things that I'm trying to see. Like Where, where was your Quentin Groves play? Mm-hmm. Like where, 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 where were those at? And, and like I said, and that could have just been me having just unrealistic expectations from what I saw last year to what he could be this year. Right. I mean, he's, got, he's got three sacks. Excuse me. He's got four sacks for the season. He had three sacks in the Iron Bowl last year alone. I thought he would be this time. If you told me the bye week, I would have said he'd be knocking on the doors of double digits. I would have thought he would have been at least double the number of sacks he's at right now. Yeah, I think or, it's there. I mean, they even said averaging on, a sack a game. I, I would have thought he was averaging at least a sack, maybe a sack and a half per game at this point in the season. And then the other disappointing side of that would have been I would have been like, well, he's not getting as many sacks because everybody else is taking them from him, which that's not happening either. Obviously, Luzeku. That hurts a little bit of that. But, I mean, what did the team say? That we want 60 sacks this season? I mean, they were writing some big checks, and they just, they're just they not cashing it right now. The team yeah. as a whole is at one, two. Like, are we even in double digits right now for sacks? Uh, I'm yeah. looking at it right now. So, four, seven, And, I kind of not to go too much into this, Ike, but 13, how much of that do you 13, think has really? to do with game plan and scheme more than – the actual performance of the players. Um, and that's part of it. 
Yeah, no, right. I, I do think that that's a portion of it. Um, I think the biggest issue that you have for Auburn right now is our inability to stop the run, right? You're not putting people yep. in obvious passing situations that allow you to just pin your ears back as a pass rusher and go get a guy. Um, and then when we, we're doing that, more often than not, not we're not blitzing. We're, we're trying to just be like, all right, just go get them, you know, man on man, go beat your guy. Um, and that that's not always the best way to attack someone. And then there's a portion of that where we've got a lot of really good mobile quarterbacks that we've played thus far. So we're not having guys who are statues back there in the pocket that you can just go and attack. So there's, there's a mixed bag of things, but I do think that um, not being able to stop the run consistently and not getting your opponents in third and eight and longer for, for the vast majority of our third downs um, is a big reason why you don't see a lot of sacks being produced by this unit. You got to stop the run. Um, I think the 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 quote from Jeff Schmetting uh, was, or it might be might have been Rock Bell and Tony who said, "You got to earn the right to pass rush, right?" And so what that means is you got to stop people on first and second down, so you put yourself in obvious passing downs, and then you can just go out there and and pin your ears back and go after it. They haven't been doing that so far this year, so right. um, it makes it more difficult. Yeah, and I think that I think that pretty much uh, wraps up where I'm at there as far as I mean defense overall has just been yeah. underwhelming. Let's be clear. I was just about, about, I was just about to say yeah. that. I mean, <laughs> if we're gonna talk about defense like overall, I mean Yeah. It, it, yeah. The expectations I feel like for this defense were way higher than the expectations were for this offense. I mean, last season we took Alabama into four overtimes. We didn't allow an offensive touchdown by Texas A and M. Like yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I was a fool and I said that this defense was going to be an all time great for Auburn and that was going to be the the vanguard of that was going to be this defensive line. Like they were going to be the guys winning in the trenches and it was just going to trickle down the back. I think we all knew this middle linebacker core, or I said middle linebacker core, this linebacker core was going to be definitely the weak point of it. But it's just, that's definitely still the weak point of it. But I don't think the defensive line has done as much as I thought they were. And like I said, we can really dive down to how much right. of that is coaching and scheme, which not to take a little heat off the players. That's definitely a factor here. Yeah. But th- there's definitely some, th- there's definitely some things to be left on the, on the table with them. And there are some things I won't, I won't dive too deep into the, uh, too deep into some of the numbers here, but definitely some of these bad defensive numbers do kind of lead back to, Oh, and now he is leading the team in tackles, but right. in a few categories, Owen Papo should not have three more solo tackles than Derek Hall. Right. That to me is a little bit of a like, and talking about eye test, the solo tackles, he should have, he should have a lot more of these solo tackles because he's gotten burned by guys who shouldn't be burning them. Right. Like he's gotten juked out way too many times or he's gotten yeah, no. just o- Owen Papo should be leading this team in tackles by a, a, a big margin. Like yes. that's, you, you just expect they're going to run away from Derek Hall without Eku Leota in there. They're just going like, to, right, we're just going to go to the other side of the field away from him, or we're going to double team him and let somebody else be the guy. And that means your linebacker should have free run. Like, yeah. all right, cool. Just go get him. And you and, see the gap last year that McLean and um, Chandler Wooten had. Yeah. Versus the rest of the team. And that gap is not even scaled to where we are games of the season is not what it should be right now. Yeah, and that I mean that's that's the essential. That's really the only reason why I don't have Wesley Steiner on this list is because I I expected him to struggle this year. 
But I'm going to throw one other name out of there, then we're going to pivot to the offense. The other guy for me that has been up and down, but I thought was going to be just a unique hybrid athlete in our defensive backfield and be kind of a a game wrecker because he was going to be able to do so much and be kind of a Swiss Army guy, is Zion Puckett. And he just, he's been just, eh. like he, I mean, he hasn't been bad. He's had bad moments, but he hasn't been good either. And I thought he was going to be like this safety hybrid linebacker guy who's going to be this, heat-seeking missile out here just destroying people and being, you know, able to cover tight ends and running back. Like, I just thought he was going to be this guy, and he hasn't. He hasn't been that guy, man. Um, and I think he's been, for me, a little disappointing. Yeah, I'd say he's definitely had a, he's had a quiet year. <laughs> yeah. And I think the other problem, too, just looking at the stats here, as far as just guys leading in tackles, the fact that you're seeing the safeties – have as many tackles as they have had right now is long runs out there is yeah mm-hmm. because the linebacker because they're getting beat by the they're beating the linebackers yeah so therefore because i mean zion puckett right now is um as far as total tackles i mean it's cam riley at 34 and then which is crazy because he's been hurt scott kaufman and puckett are all tied for 33 so you've got right there four guys that are essentially all in the same but and then you know Steiner and Derek are right up there too on that. And it's just those tackle numbers are way too spread out. And once again, not trying to pick on the linebacking core too much, but you're seeing more of that fall to the secondary and the safeties because it's not getting done where it should be getting done. So there's a, the the stats tell the story that our eyes are seeing. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, But you know, all right, we're not going to beat up the defense too much because we have a lot more people who we can beat up over here on the offensive side of the ball. You guys are definitely listening to the Auburn Express um, and we are going to get straight to it and talk a little bit about offense. I want to end on a high note. So I want to talk about people who have disappointed first on offense so that we can give a bright spot at the end and not, you know, go straight into the, the doom and gloom at the end. So let's start. Um, with the people who have been disappointing first on offense. And I'm going to go first on this one just because he's not here to say it. And I know (laughs) 1,000% if there was such a thing that he would definitely say this if he were here. I'm talking about my man, Mike G. And he's going to say Tank Bixby. I guarantee you Mike G would mention Tank Bixby as his disappointment so far for the offensive production. And I'm going to say that that is a factual thing that Tank has underperformed to the standard that everyone thought he was going to perform. Now, that's not 100% his fault, right? It's not Tank's fault 100%. I'm just talking about expectation versus productivity. And thus far this season, Tank has not been the surefire thousand yard rusher that everybody came into the season saying, oh, yeah, there's, yeah, Tank's, he's going to get a thousand yards. There's no way. Tank Bixby does not get a thousand yards this season, or at least come close. Not even remotely close. If Tank hits a thousand yards this season, then he has done some Herculean effort over the last uh, back half of this year. Like he's going to have to average like 150 yards a game or some crap. Like it's going to have to be ridiculous. Um, so I would say, based upon the expectation, not because he hasn't played well, Tank Bixby has to be on that list of people who've just not performed up to the standard of what people thought he would. Does anybody want to 
adamantly disagree with me on that point. I would fully agree with that. (laughs) I agree. I mean, I think Jarquez has more touchdowns than him right now. If check me on that memes, but I'm I'm pretty sure that's the case. Um, it's it uh, touchdowns is four for Jarquez and six for Tank. Ah, Jarquez okay. has a couple of catch of uh, reception. Now, now, yes, now rece- he does have two. Time. He has two reception okay. touchdowns. So yeah, the total the total the is touchdowns. Six, Explosive plays though, Jarquez definitely um, has more than Tank and. Like you said, not fully on tank at all, but I mean, we expect him to be a thousand yard rusher. I mean, and he's not, and he likely won't be at least. And also just want to put this like little tidbit out there that we saw last weekend in the game. Um, there was a little a scuffle on the sidelines between tank and Robbie. Mm-hmm. And obviously there was some something going on with tank and that's just not something that you want to see from somebody who's supposed to be a leader and the face of this offense. So I would just say like from an overall perspective, not only like on the field stuff, but there's something's going on off the field too. And I I would definitely say he's a low point on this offense for me too. Yeah. I mean, and and again, I think I'm not going to go as far as other people who have said that tank Bixby's overrated. He's by no means overrated. He's a supremely talented running back. I think he is, one of the if 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 not in the top ten in the country, definitely tops of the SEC. But I would put him in the top ten country running backs. Um, and it's just it's unfortunate that he has such a terrible offensive line that doesn't allow him to. Because I mean, look look what he did in the Ole Miss game. When he has his right. opportunities, he's going to do amazing things. Like that's just the nature of who Tank Bixby is as an as a, a person or as a player. Um, but he just hasn't shown that enough this season. And there's a lot of reasons for that. Again, I'm not putting this solely on tank and it's not an effort thing or anything like that. I just don't know that he's been set up for success and therefore been underwhelming, but memes your thoughts on it. Yeah. So he would have to, I did the math. He would have to average 95.2 yards a game for the rest of the season to hit a thousand. And for a guy as talented as tank, there's no reason he should not be a thousand yard. Right. That, Every that year he's been at all attainable. Right. 95.2 yards per game seems attainable, but then when you look at performances like him well, getting sub-50 a couple of times so far this year, you're just like, I don't know if he's going to do that. Las Vegas is putting him at 40, 50, 60 yards a game, and like that, yeah, those averages and those those averages aren't going to start going up because we're not playing outside of Western Kentucky. I don't think that they're going to put him over a 100-yard game for the rest of the season. Yeah, I just don't see that. I don't see that happening right now. So, but going back to, I, I'm a little bit of a tank defender. I, have, I'm going to bug a little bit on him here. I think a few, the th- a few things with tank is we'll start with the easy one. Is I think when he's in the game, other teams' defensive coordinators home in on him. 100%. I think the, that's not that's there's no debate yeah. about that. That's yeah, a, that's the, a tr- I I pointed that out on film, but yes. Yeah, the yards after contact versus actual yards stat that happened a few weeks ago with him is, I think, so telling of that. Mm-hmm. But I think the big problem here, and because it's not a talent issue with Tank, let's be yeah, honest. If sure. you put Tank on right. any of the last Auburn teams for the last like 15 years, he would eat. He'd yeah. be if they were the best of them. It's going to be one of those things where looking back at history, people are going to say, wow, we really like squandered his talents. But no, what is, just to, to echo your point, He's going to pass carry on Johnson this year in total yardage as an Auburn running back. And he's going to do it in three seasons with 
two of probably the worst offensive lines Auburn has had in the last 10 years. No, probably 30. <laughs> but but uh, the deal – so here's the other deal with Tank is I think that in, – and in, in then the uh, – it, it, for the for the ghost of Mike G here, the twelve personnel package that was for you, Mike, <laughs> has been has been it was kind of the it's killer here. Sentence. Yeah, I think what ended up happening is part of the whole deal of lay tank come back return the promises and the conversations and the game plan that these coaches had with these players. Hey, tank, we're going to build this offense around you, which is not a stupid decision. Right? Hey, he's one of your best guys. Make him the marquee point. The problem was. The house they built, the plan they came up with was not it. And there was yeah. way too late to adjust to make that happen. And Tank has suffered for it because he was he was the head of this thing. It didn't work out. It the collapse is gonna hurt for the be worse for the person at the top. And that was him. And yeah. so he is the one that's suffering most for what overall was a bad game planning and scheme from the coaching staff, and where I think he also the problem here is that they've just been far too slow to adjust and get a game plan that works better for really everybody. I mean, right. what we were coming up with at the beginning of the season was not good. Now, I think having Robbie in there and kind of being their hands forced to change the game plan because they're going to run an offense with Robbie versus they're going to run it TJ is going to be completely night and day. Right. And I think, too, having a little bit better understanding of the competition and kind of getting back to your basics with maybe a little bit softer of a defense that Ole Miss had kind of help them got, get back to their roots. But overall... Uh, I think people were expecting more out of it, but I think that does not necessarily reflection of Tank. I think that's going back to the whole offense. I don't think the reason you see the booms with Jarquez is one because Jarquez is a very talented running back, and then two teams are not they're not homing in on on Jarquez as much as on Tank. Because when people see Jarquez, they're a little bit all right. There might be a pass play here, and obviously they've been able to take advantage of that shift and let Jarquez burn them. And we saw some of that last year with Jarquez versus Tank when Jarquez was eating a little bit more at the beginning of the year, and then when the talent gap came up and he wasn't sneaking up on people. It was like, all right, well, let's get back to let's get back to saying he is the he is the more consistent hotter hand here. Yeah. Uh but if, are we gonna continue oh are, are we continuing on with Tank or am I am I ready to jump on some No, other listen, we can move on to other people who have been underwhelming. Hey, I'm, I'm ready to I'm ready to do my um low points of the offense. Go, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. So We're I done. All Hit of them. us go. All of us, we'll just go ahead and I don't even think this is worth talking about because everybody who people who don't even know football know this, our offensive line is awful. Yeah. I don't think they're necessarily their expectations were already low, but if there was a way to not meet <laughs> those already low expectations, I, I would say that they're there. I don't even think that's worth talking about though. Um, because everybody there, there, already there's knows a couple that. <laughs> of people in particular that I want to highlight from the offensive line, but continue. Yeah, so outside of the offensive line play, though, I would say two guys that um, are kind of low and haven't met expectations, John Samuel Shanker mm. and Shedrick Jackson. Mm. Um, so John Samuel Shanker, I mean, he broke the Auburn record for the most yardage by tight ends last season. Really experienced tight end. I expected a lot more out of him this season, and he has been really sloppy in almost every game this season that he's played in. Um, I don't, I'm not really sure if he's the best tight end on the team right now either. Um, I I've been really disappointed in him and I think it goes back to kind of the similar things that we saw on defense. A lot of these older, more experienced guys just aren't living up to these expectations and it just makes you scratch your head and be like, how did they 
not get developed better or, or what, like kind of what has been going on. And I don't know if it's a change in scheme or whatever, but definitely John Samuel Shanker and then Shedrick Jackson. I mean, he can't get open. He, I mean, I thought, I, I didn't think he would get to a thousand yards because of our question mark at quarterback and offensive line, but I thought he'd at least be on track to hit seven to 800. Um, and he's nowhere near that right now. Yeah. So, and, and we can talk about this more when we talk about the highlights, but like there are younger guys in transfers that are having way better seasons than Shedrick. And he was definitely overhyped, I think, um, going into this season. And he was another experienced guy. Just makes you, yeah. it really makes you scratch your head. Like what was going on with a lot of these guys who had experience and are leaders on the team. But yeah. those are my, those are my two big, I think, offensive letdowns, John Samuel Shanker, Shedrick, and then obviously O-line. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to have to agree with you on both of those. I came into this year thinking Shedrick Jackson was going to have a breakout season. I thought this was going to be the year where Shed turned into our possession receiver, Mr. Reliable, you know, we need five yards really quickly on a slant, throw it to Shed type of guys, and he has mm-hmm. not materialized into that whatsoever. I don't know if that's because they're just not looking his direction or, uh, to your point, Brandy, he's not getting open. I, I, I Somebody out there, send me some all 22 film and I'll tell you exactly what's going on with Shed Jackson. But <laughs> um, but yeah, it, he hasn't been that guy. And, and Shanker, man, I thought this year being the first year he was solely focused on football all offseason. Um, you know, he had transformed his body a little bit. I thought he, he was looking a little bit more lean and, you know, another year of experience in this system, all those things. And it just hasn't materialized into much of anything. He's missing blocking assignments. He's getting penalties. He's dropping passes still. Um, he's just, I, I, he has not lived up to the expectation that I had for him this season. And maybe it was too much. Maybe I, I, I expected too much of both of those guys, but they definitely for me have underperformed. You got any additional folks you want to hop on and throw, or you want to say anything in addition to that memes about those guys, or you got some more guys you want to put out there? I got some, I got some, I got some good stuff actually on that. Okay, so go for funny, it. Because we do these shows, and I try to get all these stats prepared beforehand, and then like the best stats, I come up like totally on the fly live, and I got one here. So I think we'd all agree that last year's by far his best season, and okay. he yeah. for himself like his best season he's had at Auburn, and he had a pretty good year last year. I don't think anybody would deny that. Fun fact, did y'all know he did not have a single touchdown last season? I did know that, actually, yes. Brandy? I don't think I knew that. I thought he had one, but I guess he had none. So, yeah, he didn't have any, he didn't have any touchdowns last season. Uh, and he didn't have a touchdown in 2020 either. He had one in 19 and one in 18, and he has one this season. So yeah, he, he has first passing touchdown this season. Yep, with Mercer, and he almost ran into me on that play. <laughs> but the uh, the interesting part about that is he's not had a season where he scored multiple touchdowns. So honestly, with his skill set, I think that kind of be, it makes you scratch your head with coaching. They're not utilizing tight ends in the end zone. I mean, that's it, it, because his catch he had against Mercer – was a run-in play. He didn't even catch it in the end zone. So that's an interesting point that we bring up there. But he has not had a game this season where he's had over 50 yards. Hmm. And last year, he had four where he had, including the bowl game, where he had at least over 50 yards. And a lot more he got close to it. So his utilization as far as that goes, and the production's not there. But I, I think the real thing there, once again, going back to my favorite phrase tonight, the eye test... And this is for all the tight ends. And this is not something that I'm trying to pick on him about. I mean, I agree. I think that 
I don't think he's having a terrible year as everybody's saying. I don't think it's as great as it could be. But the the one thing I will say, all the tight ends are just getting abused on the line of scrimmage with run with um I'd say I was about to say run blocking, just all all blocking. Yeah, just pass yeah. protection, yeah, for sure. run blocking. Like they just do not look like they have been ready to just get down and stop a defender. I mean, they are the guys that are just when there's a pass rush coming in, like it, granted, I, hey, I'll give the tight ends credit. At least they're picking up blocks. I mean, that's better than half the offensive line can say on the play, <laughs> where they just wave the guys he's running past them to go eat Robbie or TJ alive. But even when the tight ends do pick up the block, it is very, very, very minuscule as buying the quarterback hardly any more time. So that's really disappointing. I mean, John Samuel Schenker is 6'4", 250. Like, he's got the size. Right. Luke Deal is 6'5", 257. They got the size. You, you got the size to get up there. And the problem with that is the running backs, who are all smaller than you guys, they've got 30, 40-plus less pounds on y'all, are picking up blocks better than the tight ends. For sure. That is not something that I love. Which is an argument that Mike G would say again to take one of those or both of those guys off the field more often and just go with a two-running back set because... If they're blocking better, you might as well keep them out there, and then they're more of a threat to do something different. Anyway, we're not going in scheme right now. We're talking about player expectations, but continue. Oh, yes, yeah, so I was also going to say, and I mean, I think we all know, just in the honor of the ghost of Mike G, once again, Mike G doesn't like 12 personnel for any list, <laughs> any new listeners who had not heard that. Uh, for the old listeners, you probably probably knew that already. But yeah, and so that, that's what I was going to say on the tight end, and um, Shanker specifically, because I actually thanks, Brandy, for saying that. I wasn't going to bring up Shanker, in my disappointing list, but when I started kind of deep diving the stats, I was like, you know, there's definitely a fair point to that. And I would agree. Now, now talk about our guy shed. Um, I caught myself last year and uh, I was definitely, especially the A&M game prior, the whole Cornelius firing. I was real down on shed and I, I try not to rant on players, especially online. Shed, Shed caught me slipping for some of these games. I was just livid with just the constant drops of his. And he got better toward the end of the season. So, all right, he's going in the right direction. He's getting trajectory. He's going to be a leader. He's coming back. And his playing time and snap counts are drastically getting cut. And yep. I do not see how there's an argument that says that his need to stay here. Because at this point, we're looking and saying, all right, you know, this season, we don't really know the direction it's going. We're, 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 I think a lot of people are looking to the future and less on the present right now. And I think with that, you get to look at the roster and say, if there's seniors that aren't doing it, that at this point, Auburn's playing to make a ball game. Are we better off letting guys like Camden Brown get more of those reps? Because the seniors aren't doing it, and we're not just going to let them have it for consolation prize. I mean, that, that's not that's not, not what, if you not if you want to win, right? right. And not if, or, and not if you want to set yourself about. up for success in the future. Yeah, right. And that's right. I can't see. I cannot see his reps being useful. And I don't know what went wrong with him. I don't know how he has just not find a way to be utilized. I, I really do think that fumble he had against Penn State just broke him. Because he was he was getting a few looks earlier in the season. He got a few at Penn State. but I, mean, after- I think it put him in the doghouse. I think that that was just kind of the final, like, okay, you know what, dude? And let, that's when they try to get somebody else out here. And that's when that Penn State game derailed. Yeah. So... But uh, yeah, um, Brandy, do you have any more negatives or uh, any more um, under exceeding offensive guys? Um, No, I don't think so. Um, I know Ike mentioned there are some specific guys in the offensive line he wanted to point out, though. Yeah. 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 Let's go there. 
Yeah. So <laughs> let's go there. So I, I'll, I'll preface the first one and say I, my expectations weren't very high to your point, Brandy. I think there are a lot of people who are like, I just don't expect this offensive line to be very good at all. This guy in particular has been particularly horrible for me. And that is Austin Troxel. I mean, again, it's not yeah. like he was some stellar performer. I just, he's been very bad. He's been very bad. And I think the other person who I thought actually was a bright spot when he got a few starting opportunities last year, and I thought he was ready to take another step, is Killian Zerer. I thought he was going to be a better offensive lineman performer, and he just hasn't been that so far this season. And that's terrible when those are two guys who have a lot of starting experience. Well, not a lot from Killian, but Austin Droxel got plenty of snaps. Um Brandon Council would have been on that list had he not moved over to center. Since he's moved to center, I think Brandon Council's been a breath of fresh air at that spot. I agree. Uh, but he, you know, and, and the reason not because Brandon Council's been getting beat so much because it hasn't been terrible from that standpoint when he was at guard, it was more so like kind of the boneheaded plays, like the, the personal foul call that he got um, in the, was it the Penn State game where he got the personal foul penalty after the TJ uh, hit? Like, it's just... Little uh, after the TJ run, it's just like little things like that. It's like, and then, you know, the kind of ill-timed comments that he had prior to the Georgia game. It's like, come on, dude. Like, these are things you shouldn't be doing as a super senior. Like, you should have enough cool-headedness about you to not do these sorts of things. So he's not going to be on my disappointment list because I do think he's played better since he got to center. But I can't ignore the the play of Austin Troxel or Killian Zara as two guys who I'm just like, you know what? They, they, they're not doing it for me. They are not doing it for me along that offensive line. Yeah, and I think um, just going back to the unit as a whole, just the undisciplined penalties, the amount of false starts or delay of games that we've gotten this season, it's from that unit. It's like shooting ourselves in the foot almost every game when it comes to them. Like, if you can't block, then please stop. (laughs) Like, at least don't be disciplined. And that's, I think that's to me, like, in terms of like, if uh, obviously expectations were already low, but not meeting those expectations is the penalties for me. Like, yeah, I, that that's a big, a big, big uh, dark spot in this offense for me. For sure. Uh, well, anybody else you want to, or anything else you want to add to that memes? Well, I'm not even going to say names. I'm not going to waste my breath. I think we all know <laughs> where, where we're at with this group. Um, now I will say we did see a little bit of a uh, Jeremiah Wright against Ole Miss. And the, the sad part is, is like a guy gets like a PFF grade of like in the low 60s and we're like, oh man, he had a great week. <laughs> like that's, that's where we're at right now. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's like, oh man, he got a, he, he's in the thirties or forties. And it's like that, like that should be a guy who you're like, man, when you kick him off the team, not like, yeah, that's kind of what the expectation is right now. I mean, it, it is an all time low point that we're at. And I mean, I, what do we talk? There's like maybe three or four linemen who haven't played. They about emptied the bench and nothing can get right, which to me, and I have been a very, very well-noted, like, Will Friend hater in the last few weeks. Because at this point, it is, somebody evaluated these guys and said, hey, this is them. Somebody's coaching them, which would be him. Everything about what's going on, it, it has to go to coaching. Yeah. And what the deal is with him, and there are people who are, like, a little bit more on the defensive side of Will Friend. Like, I still say I can be at this point. Because the problem is, is, like, when a guy's just missing a block, that's a coaching thing. When it's happening consistently, it's a coaching thing. Because I can get it like, hey, you know, we've taught him everything we've can. We we got him eating, we got him lifting. He's just getting outgunned back there. Right. He's he's reached his physical ceiling as an yeah. athlete. 
But that's not happening. When someone just breezes by you because you didn't pick up a block or three guys are blocking one guy and then two guys just run on through because you'll have just no idea what planet you're blocking on. That is a coaching thing. And I get it. You lost Nick Brahms. Shoot. Maybe Nick Brahms was the glue that held them together. Maybe Nick Brahms was the real offensive line coach on the field the whole time. He's still helping out as a, um, I don't know if he's a gratis. I don't even know what his role is. He's on the sidelines though. Right. I think everybody has a lot of respect for Nick Brahms, but geez, it is not good. And it's gotta be someone real friend. And, in a Auburn multiverse situation where Brian Harson's job security wasn't so hot, if let's just pretend that the seat was as cold as ice, you 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 should have fired Will Friend weeks ago. Yeah, I mean the issue that you have with Will Friend treatment. is the momentum that he's apparently got with a couple of recruits that they're hoping to bring in, um, and, and I think that that's the only reluctance that you have. What you do have to figure out if you're Brian Harson is whether or not you need to get somebody else to coach the X and O's portion of your offensive line and just let Will Friend try to go get you talent. But anyway, again, we're not talking about coaching right now. We can definitely have a whole other conversation about coaching. Any other um, players, though, that you feel like have underwhelmed? And and we'll try to end on a high note here before we get out of here. But any other underwhelming offensive players? Well, I'm not going to specify names right here, but I definitely think the there was a lot of guys on the carousel for wide receivers of who was going to be playing what. And mm-hmm. we saw that depth chart change a lot from game one to where it is now, because uh, I think you got to kind of wonder about Tavares Dawson, who jumped up pretty high in the depth charts. Right. And didn't he, did he have taken a red shirt this year? Um, I, I, I don't know that he's actually declared that red shirt, but he is not even on the two deep right now. No, he already he already had taken red shirt up. Okay, yeah, yeah he, he had he, a red shirt last year for sure. That's right. So yeah, he he was he was a guy who was listed as a starting back who was mm-hmm. out. So you got to kind of wonder what was going on there. How did you climb the depth chart in practice just to get processed out during the game? And you know right. the the irony there is that you know he's behind uh, Javarce Johnson who will save for high points. But yeah, I, I'm not going to say it was a low point because I don't know really what the expectation was there. But I just think it's definitely like a there's a question mark like how did sure. you how did you get that high and, and then not so and then also too, just side note there no expectations but just the w- w- the grand mystery of capers and like yeah what what is the deal with him and just not being able to see the field where he played more you, you thought that was going to be Gus's guy once upon a time so right. uh yeah the deepness of the wide receiver room but i think that's really all we've got as far as um I mean, this this was going to be a uh, definitely a major highlight of the offensive line, but that that's probably all I've got there. Uh, okay, I think cool. Everybody, so let's let's uh, let's end it. Let's end it high. Yes. Yeah, let's talk about people <laughs> who have been pleasant surprises. Uh, the unfortunate reality is this is probably not going to be a long list, but um, you know it, it is a reality that we do have some hope in in our offensive group. So, who are the guys who have stood out to you as? Wow, uh, you know, I think the the obvious person who's played particularly well is Jarquez Hunter. So let's not camp out on Jarquez Hunter uh. too long, but <laughs> I do want to give him his props. Uh, and I can tell by the reaction of Brandy there that this was somebody who was on her list. So I will let her be effusive in her praise of Jarquez Hunter. Um, but are there any other guys? But Brandy, go on Jarquez Hunter, and then we'll 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 talk about some other guys on the offseason. Yeah, I I think probably since the offseason, I've been talking about how I think. Jarquez is going to have a breakout year and he kind of has and I, I hats off to him because he's 
he has just been creating space on the field when we thought that wasn't possible with this line. Um, I've been very impressed with him. I have yeah. been saying, you know, if there's a potential, at least in my mind, that he might be running back one, not actually, but like kind of. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, just the talent that he has and the grittiness that he has, he to me is the brightest spot of this offense. Yeah, um, I, I think he's been playing. I love his effort. I love everything that Jarquez Hunter brings to the team, but continue. Yep. Yep. Agree. Um, but like you said, let's not camp out on him too long. Um, I think besides Jarquez Hunter, though, my other two kind of bright spots on the offense, I'm going to go ahead and throw out Robbie Ashford out there. We okay. knew going into the season that there was a question mark at quarterback. Um, a lot of offseason chatter about Zach Calzada. And then um, and then TJ Finley was named, essentially named the starter and. And now Robbie is our QB one and he is young, but he has shown a lot of potential. He is young and has also made some young mistakes. For sure. Um, I just think that our offense as a whole, when he is out there on the field is so much better than any other quarterback that we've seen this season out on the field. That's not Robbie Ashford, the legs that he has on him, the athleticism, and once he gets in a groove and, and is able to actually get a good pass off, he knows how to find a guy and target them and make a good pass, too. I think his ceiling is very high, and I'm excited for the future when it comes to Robbie. Robbie, if you're listening to this, no matter what happens this year, please, please stay at Auburn because I think your future at Auburn is so bright. Um, and then I would say besides um, Robbie and Jarquez, um, other bright spots, Koi Moore. Um, mm, okay. Yeah, so that's somebody that I personally was excited for this season coming in as a transfer from LSU. I think he's, um, I think he probably is number one or number two in terms of, for me personally, wide receiver play. Um, let's just forget about whatever play call happened in the LSU game where he was <laughs> throwing the ball. Um, yeah. But honestly, besides that play, I, I think he's done a really great job at, finding an open field and making some really hard catches and making some good plays. Yeah, I think he's been kind of, to me, the only like star playmaker and wide receiver um, besides maybe Javar Johnson. But yeah, that's, those are my three highlights on, on offense. Okay. Well, I, I know who one of yours is going to be memes because you handed at it earlier. So you're definitely going to talk about Javaris Johnson. Uh, so um, him and then are there any others that you'd like to add to your list? And do you have any comments on, on Brandy's list? No, I mean, I think she, I think she nailed it. And I think I'm going to, of course, talk about segue me right into uh, Javaris Johnson. And he was a guy that last year, had an uptick when Auburn as a whole had a downtick. Mm-hmm. So kind of hitting at the whole bow post bow injury, he, his numbers started going up. Right. And that was when, uh, when TJ o- came Miss in was the game. I think that he, he started to, to Mi- sky. Mi- well, no, excuse me. Arkansas Mississippi State. was Mi- Mississippi state. He had four, he had a hundred yard game against Mississippi yeah, state last year. The, the, the game I'm thinking about, he had the deep catch against Arkansas. I think that that catch in that game was like, Okay, we've 39, got 39 yard touchdown. Yeah, we, we've got we've got a deep threat now in in Javaris Johnson. And I think, you know, going forward after that game, I, well, actually, I do think in the Ole Miss game, though, too, he had the one it was ruled a pass because it was a lateral maybe in that. No, that was Mississippi State where that happened. Right. Mm-hmm. Where he had the super long 
lateral catch or whatever. But anyway, Arkansas, I think, is where he woke up, and then he just kind of went on his ascent. Anyway, continue. Continue talking about JJ. So, yeah, he he was a guy who was on the rise last year. And I'm going to be honest, like, I was, like, devastated when he hit the transfer report. I was like, that was yeah. a guy I was looking forward to seeing. Hindsight, I was right. Glad he stayed. Glad the the uh, the sadness of disappointment for him. Because I'll be real here. I was a lot more sad when he entered the transfer portal than Kobe Hudson. Real I, talk I'm here. not going to disagree with you on I that. think hindsight will tell us that that's mostly because kobe had the drops issue right like i think kobe hudson's supremely talented guy he just hey gosh he just can't consistently catch the ball javarius johnson catches darn near everything thrown in his direction and i was looking forward to his future at auburn and hindsight was definitely there i mean i agree with brandy on coy i do think coy is taking time to kind of get in the rhythm of things a lot of people forget i mean coy moore is still young i mean he's only a sophomore so there's a Really bright future with him. I think he, for me, I would say Coy's kind of meeting the expectation that I had for him. Right. The one thing that he didn't does, meet the expectation. He's not meeting the expectation mm-hmm. he had for himself, but he's. I think he's meeting the expectation that others had for him. Yeah. There. And he, and he's a transfer too, which not an, another non-experienced guy on this team that's making plays and yeah, stepping now, up. Listen, so. th- there is there is an undertone of a conversation that we can have here about. The, the people who have been brought in by this new staff outplaying and outperforming people who are holdovers from the previous staff, we're not going to go there today. But <laughs> just know, put a pin in it. That's a real thing. Yes. Now, uh, in, in honor of the ghost of Mike G, once again, I'm a guy who was I, I was really liking the direction he was going. Unfortunately, the injury happened to Malcolm Johnson Jr. Mm-hmm. Uh, didn't didn't uh, get... The uh, I would say the airtime he necessarily was needing, but there were some connections with him and Robbie. Then I was like, oh man, I think that might be that might be Robbie's because there were a lot of times where Robbie's really trying to get to go to him. They get some passes. Some of those might have gotten called back for some various reasons. But uh, unfortunately, he's out. I would I would say that if he were still in here, we'd be seeing a uh, a good bit of Which him. He is back now. He did play a little bit in the last game. Okay. He, he, oh, well, didn't he? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The holding, the holding call that we had on the tank run was actually Malcolm out there blocking, which I still think is a that's right. Call. But anyway, we're not going to do that either. <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah. No. Hundred percent retweet. Uh, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. Really, my thoughts are on Jarquez being the number three receiver right now. Um, <laughs> I mean, um, that's that's largely due to two really big catches, right? So he had. Um, was it the LSU game where he had the one in the middle of the field that he caught and then he turned it up for like 60 yards and then he had the one against Georgia where he caught the one on the sideline and broke like three tackles all the way to the – like those two really big catches are what have put him in that category. He has a couple of swing passes that are out there, but yeah, Jarko's Hunter has been but all-purpose once, yards. I'd be shocked if he's not leading the team in all-purpose yards right now. Uh, yeah, no, 100%. It has to be very, very close. But I, I do think the problem here is you should see more wide receivers eating once again. So it's a little bit more to do with the scheme sure. than the talent. But we're not going to talk about that. We've been it's it's so it's so funny because we're like really trying our very hardest like not talk about scheme and coaching. It just keeps slipping through the cracks, which obviously just shows how abundant of a problem this is. But anyway, we're just not going to go that far into it. But everybody can definitely read between the lines of what's going on with that. But uh, yeah, my so my high point of this offense, uh, you know, I've, like I said, I've already kind of went on my JJ deal. I think you can't talk about this without talking about Robbie. And here's what I'm gonna say about Robbie. Now, statistically, if we're talking all things considered, where he stands, the SEC, et cetera, et cetera, it may not necessarily be there 
totally on paper. Right. And because, I mean, he's not, he, he's a 48% passer right now. Mm. So uh, it's really funny to be like, okay, how is someone who's a 48% passer going to be remotely close to a high point? And uh, I'm going to read between the lines a little bit with him. You got a guy who, for the majority of the offseason, was getting second and third team practice reps. Right. You got a guy who came in the fall not named the starting quarterback, mm-hmm. who went multiple games not being named the starting quarterback, who essentially mm-hmm. told, hey, you're going to have some packages. We'll get you in the game, but this is going to be TJ's game, TJ's team. TJ goes down with an injury. Robbie gets the gauntlet. Robbie did not play at Oregon for two years. Mm-hmm. So you've got a guy who gets thrown into SEC football who did not have the off-season reps and preparation to be where he's at. You know, say what you want about Bo Nix, this and other freshman year. He was prepared to be the guy. They were grooming him up to be the guy. He had those number one. Like Robbie did not have that. He got thrown in the fire right. and just had to make it work. And <clears throat> there's a lot. we know there's a lot of storylines going on the team. We know there's a lot of problems with this team. There is not an ounce of quit in Robbie. For sure. And that's one thing that I love about him. He has got a moxie about him. He is going out there and giving 110% every play, there's going to be growing pains with that. We know that's going to be there. I would wholeheartedly disagree at this moment right now, going to the bye week, that I would wholeheartedly disagree with anybody saying that Robbie could not potentially be the quarterback of the future. Now, there's a lot of time between now and then, but he really, to me, I feel like he's got a lot of, a lot of good things that show that, yes, he could be a guy that a team could be built around in the future. Now, could that change? 100%, we don't know. But from what I'm seeing so far, with some polish, with some practice, with some confidence, with a lot of things that are very easy to be there, the intangibles that would make a good quarterback, he's got. He's got the athleticism. We know the plays he can make with his feet. His decision-making and his maturity, we're already starting to see it. There was one play that he had, I think it was that big pass to, uh, to deal against Ole Miss, Mm. where I'm like, oh, he's about to tuck it and run. There's a wide-open gap. It's right open. He held it in the pocket. He kept his eyes downfield. What might have been a 10-12 yard run ended up being a 20-something-plus right. yard pass for Luke Deal because he stayed in the pocket and trusted his offensive line, which is very hard to do given how the offensive line is. But with the offensive line play being just at a historical bad, for him just to be out there breathing, is uh, you know, is to me a good thing. That exceeds and, expectations. You're right. still alive, young man. You're, you you won. And his interceptions, yes, I mean, there are probably more interceptions you want to see, but for the most part, just going to the eye, eye test of those, they have not been just horribly egregious quarterbacking decisions. I mean, the one against Old Miss was tank. He threw it too high. It was, yeah, it was that. Was, that. But that those, wasn't. They, those were more technique and mechanic right. issues. It was that, you know. tipped up by Tank. Defender made a play against LSU. That was bad coaching because they're running the same play multiple times. The defender even said it was six time we ran they six time they ran that play, we were ready to read it. So once again, the coaches put him in a situation where the defender made a very easy read on the ball and made a good play. But that wasn't necessarily wholeheartedly on him. So you can look at some of those interceptions and have that same type of deal. He's been improving. There is room to grow with him and Hopefully, with the bye week, some chance to get some mental and physical rest and some practice that uh, coming back home that they can uh, showcase a little something against Arkansas. So I think that's going to wrap it up for me yeah. as far as uh, high points on the offense. Yeah, I don't have any anything to add for those. I mean, I, I think that 
Um, you know, we've got some bright spots that are out there. I am anxiously awaiting the emergence of, you know, guys like Camden Brown and Amari Kelly to make this list when we come back and talk about this at the end of the season uh, because they were able to, to to get more targets and really go out there and show their athleticism. But we will see if the coaches agree that those guys deserve to be able to go out there and showcase it. Um, but that's it, man. I think um, we've we've gotten our list. If you guys are listening right now, you can angrily tweet at us all the things that we got completely wrong with all the things that we talked about. Or you can come on and you can and hit us up and and let us know the things that you thought that we did that were spot on. Um, the, the 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 latter of those is really the only acceptable one because we didn't get anything wrong. But anyway, that's it, man. That's all we've got for you all today. In as far as Mike Mack and memes with me pinch hitting for my guy Mike G out here. Uh, if you guys want to check out more of this wonderful content, you guys make sure that you lock in with us. Make sure that you're um, setting your notifications and subscribing to everything that we've got going on right now on all of your podcast platforms, wherever you're listening right now. Hit us up on Twitter at The War Report. I am tweeting at TWR Ike Jones if you want to hit me up, in case you didn't know that. Um, but that's it, man. We're out of here. Uh, we appreciate you guys. You guys have any final words or we're just going to sign off and tell them come back next week and we talk more about Auburn football. Yeah, hey. nothing for me. We're going and let's get a win after after the bye week. Indeed. All right, we'll holler at you guys on the next time. Until then, as always, War Eagle. Peace. Hey.